Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning, the epistle that Vicar has just read to us from Colossians chapter 3. Believe it or not, it's been six weeks since I last stood in this pulpit. And so this week I was a bit afraid that I might have actually forgotten how. Three weeks of travel, thank you very much for giving me that opportunity, then a week of COVID when I got back, and of course, as Vicar very cleverly pointed out last week, the opportunity to dodge that messy text that we had about putting off the old selfish desires and the bad behaviors that follow. Now, oftentimes when I'm working on what to say in a sermon, ideas come to me when, when I'm just waking up. So I start thinking about the text and I'm trying to decide whether to get out of bed or to sleep a little bit longer and then, I, and then a thought will strike me. And sometimes, sometimes I think that's the Holy Spirit prompting my semi-conscious mind and it's been helpful to pay attention. So, I woke up Friday morning thinking about this tug of war tension between the old self and the new self, and an old golfing joke popped into my head. There was an avid golfer, let's call him John, who never missed his weekly round of golf, and he meets his buddy Joe one morning. They like to walk the course for the exercise instead of taking a cart. And it, it usually takes them between four and five hours to play 18 holes. But on this particular week, it seemed it to take forever. And he was un, unusually late coming home. And his wife was worried. And when he finally got home, she asked, what happened? To which John explained, well, everything was going great until we turned the corner at the ninth hole, and when we were teeing off on number 10, Joe dropped dead from a heart attack. And for the rest of the day, it was hit the ball, drag Joe. <laughs> hit the ball, drag Joe. I didn't think I would ever finish. Now, I'll let you be the judge if that came from the Holy Spirit or not. But it struck me that, that walking with Jesus can seem like that. I mean, we, we come to faith. We believe in Jesus. We know that we're supposed to put to death the old self and to put on the new. But from there on, it seems like hit the ball, drag Joe. The old self is like a corpse that we drag around for the rest of our lives. So we heard about it last week, this old self. We were told to put to death, to mortify, to kill what is earthly in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, and, and to put away the behaviors that often follow after those evil desires of anger and wrath and malice and slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Now, by observation, there are two basic approaches to this old self. One that is extremely popular in our culture and that was also popular in the Colossians culture is to simply indulge it. It's not really all that hard. Just do what comes naturally to you. 
The other is to try and religion it out of your life. And that can seem really hard. You might want to remember that there were some false teachers in Colossae telling them that they need to buckle down. They needed to follow the rules more strictly. They even needed to punish their bodies in order to keep that old self in line. Religion says do more, try harder, and you can conquer the brokenness in your life. Except that the old self is a bit like the carnival game whack-a-mole. Every time you hit him over here, he pops up again over there, and Paul laments in his letter to the Romans, the good that I would, that I do not, and the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. No, listen, the truth is that the old self will not go away until either you die or Jesus comes again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And yet, at the same time, there's a powerful new self that exists in you side by side with the old self. There they are. Here's a portrait of what a fully human, human being looks like. Supremely confident because in Christ you are chosen, the one and only triune God of the universe, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit touched you in the water of your baptism and said, I choose you, you, this one belongs to me. Holy means to be, to be set apart for a special purpose. I guess you know this, but there's only one of you. And each and every one of you is an unrepeatable miracle of God. And each and every one of you has a part to play in God's grand scheme to make the world right again. To bring his kingdom back as the only reality that exists. Where there will be no more sin or sickness or pain or death. For the old order will have passed away and the new will take its place. To be holy is to know and to play your part in that work. And beloved, well, let me just remind you that that's the word God the Father used when he spoke at Jesus' baptism, that he now speaks about you. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Chosen, holy, and beloved. There is now present in you by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, five virtues, which is not an exhaustive list, but for the purposes of Paul's letter, five virtues, virtues to counter the five sin-twisted inner compulsions that drive the five destructive behaviors of last week, the expressions of the old self. 
And these five virtues are gifts. These, these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit supplied in unlimited quantity and at your disposal continuously. Compassionate hearts. The heart in the Bible is the functional center of your identity. Your heart is what drives everything else. Your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your attitudes. And compassion is what comes when you are so confident and you are so content in who you are in Christ that you can stop contemplating your own navel long enough to look around and to see others the way that Jesus did. The Gospel of Matthew reports that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he, and then he taught them about God's kingdom, which is the world put right, beginning even now through faith in him, and he healed their bodies. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that I often leave unpicked in my life. I've told you this story before, but it is burned into my memory, so hear it again. When one of the grandchildren was two years old, I was playing the Who Loves You game with her. You know the one. Who loves you? And she replied, Mommy does, Daddy does, Jesus does, Nana does, the dog does. But there was no Papa in the list. And so I had to ask, what about Papa? Does Papa love you? And she looked me in the eye and she said, no, Papa's mean. Out of the mouths of babes. Look, you may not know this about me, but I am prone to Eeyore-ism. You remember Eeyore from the Hundred Acre Woods? That's not much of a tale, but it's the only tale I've got. And that sour attitude seems to infect my facial expressions and especially my tone of voice as the old self seeks to drag others down with it. Compassion, kindness, humility. Now, whoever coined the phrase, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, hit the nail on the head. Meekness is not weakness. It is being so confident and secure in your identity and your purpose in Christ that you can remain calm and poised even when things are falling apart around you. And patience? Well, back in chapter 1, Paul paired patience with endurance, and I read one of the commentators, and it stuck with me to discover that those two words, endurance is the ability to face seemingly impossible situations, and patience is the ability to face seemingly impossible people. <laughs> Last week, our text ended with a diverse list of folks probably present in the Colossae congregation. Greek or Jews, they were ethnically different. Circumcised or uncircumcised, they were religiously different. Barbarian, Scythian, they were culturally different. Slave, free, they were socially different. 
and declared that all of those differences are in fact embraced in Christ. So, so why can't we all just get along? <laughs> to which our lesson today gives a very practical answer. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Now, if only I could find the right words to inspire you, to intrigue you with the possibility of what you are capable of and what we are together capable of that would somehow awaken your hearts to the power of life in Christ. If I could just show you a living, breathing example of what a, such a person would look like, what they would act like, what they would speak like. If I could show you the nobility and the integrity of such a life in a way that would set you on fire so that you would want it more and more and more. But wait, that's exactly, that's exactly what we have. Jesus is the exact and the perfect manifestation of what the new self is capable of in this fallen and broken world. For two chapters, Paul has described the irreducible supremacy of Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. By him were all things made. In him all things hold it together. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Now listen. Making peace by the blood of his cross. I need you to consider again the claim of the cross. That Jesus took those five sin-twisted inner compulsions that drive those five destructive outward expressions of the old safe self, and he carried them to the cross where they were put to death. None of those can control you or overpower you. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus now bestows on you and on me the power to stop, the power to change, the power to say no, the power to put to death the old self, to do next week differently than we did this past week. And how? Well, do you remember from the beginning of this sermon series, faith active in love, built on hope. Faith is simply believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's done what he claimed to have done. So hear me saying it to you again today. You are forgiven. You are born again. You are made new. And that funny feeling that you're having right now is the Holy Spirit tickling your ears and massaging your heart to say it again. I believe in God the Father Almighty and in His only Son, Jesus, and in the Holy Spirit. 
That faith is built on the, the certainty, the Bible calls it hope, that the kingdom of God, the world put right, people transformed into compassionate, kind, humble, meek, patient people with their eyes fixed on the day when Jesus will come again and make our new self and my new self permanent once and for all. That's the hope that we have that inspires us, that, that moves us forward, that then becomes active in love. Paul said it this way last week, put on the new self, which is, listen, continuously being renewed in knowledge. And that knowledge is a deep, personal, intimate relationship of the face-to-face -face presence of God. People, that's what's happening here again this morning. Now look at this next verse. All the pronouns in that verse are plural. So here's the southern translation. Let the peace of Christ rule in all y'all's hearts. To which all y'all were called in one body. Walking with Jesus is not a solo act. This is what we're, we're working on at St. Luke's, awakening hearts to the power of life in Christ. And it's not rocket science. Look what he says. Paul sums it up in three words, teaching, admonishing, and, oh, there it is, singing. The word of Christ is the story of the Bible, the creation, the fall, the redemption, and the restoration. Teaching is you becoming so well-versed in the story that it becomes the lens through which you see everything from your daily to-do list to the national and world events. Admonishing is having people walking alongside of you to keep calling you back when you wander off. And singing. You all know how I feel about singing. And I want you to take a note here that it's not a suggestion. It's actually a command. I typed into the Google search engine, how does singing affect the brain? And as usual, there were thousands of pages of research on the power and the benefits of singing. So that according to one website, singing will boost your immune system, release stress, benefit your heart, increase your energy, improve your memory, and foster clear thinking through correct breathing. Why don't you just give it a try? And see if the Holy Spirit doesn't come rushing in to embolden this new self in you. In a book that I'm reading presently, the main character, the hero of the story, is praised for his ability to learn rapidly and adapt to the changing and often dangerous circumstances he finds himself in. That ability is explained by the narrator like this. He had the basic trust that he could learn. And then the narrator goes on to comment, it's shocking how many people do not believe they can learn and how many more believe that learning is difficult. This character, this hero, knew the secret, now listen, that every experience, every interaction 
every success and every failure carried its lesson. Look at the last verse. Many of you who are caught in the old self, new self struggle, which is inescapable, do not believe that you can actually learn to live the new self life. And many others believe that such learning is just too difficult. The letter to the Colossians begs us to know that because Christ is all and is in all, that every experience, every interaction, every success and every failure carries with it a lesson in becoming and being more and more what you already are, dead to sin and alive in Christ. Look, we don't get to bury the old self until we die or Jesus comes again. And in the meantime, it's hit the ball and dragged the corpse of the old self along. Teaching and admonishing and singing, the new self is being renewed and every day the old self keeps popping up. But you know what? We start to see it more quickly. We start to recognize it sooner. And we say to ourselves, wait a minute, that's not the new me. Turn around and find your heavenly father with a big fat smile on his face and his arms stretched out, proud of every baby step you take, coaxing you to walk with Jesus. Every experience, every encounter, every conversation you have this coming week carries with it a lesson about putting off the old self and putting on the new self. People trust that you can learn, <laughs> and you will. Amen.